Good to see everybody out there today. For those that are here watching online, good morning to you as well. <clears throat> Just got to get the old uh, iPad fired back up here, the world of technology. Holy smokes. Speaking of technology, this is actually going to come up in the sermon today. Very thankful for my daughter, Emma, if you see her up here at the computer. She drives the slides. She manages the streaming. Uh, much like Paul, I'm thankful for what the Holy Spirit is doing through her. This is true. We're going to talk about this today. But I'm also just thankful for her willingness to come and put up with this. Uh, as you know, uh, kids today have a lot of things going on and probably arguably places it might be more fun than doing this. So I appreciate that. And if you're enjoying the stream at home, it's largely because she's... Uh, clicking things back and forth and making sure stuff gets turned on and, and drawn down and all that stuff at just the right time. So we are thankful for her as usual. <clears throat> I may be double thankful for her today if the iPad doesn't connect because she'll have to turn all the slides for me. Oh, here we go. It looks like we're back in business. So we'll be wrapping up the first chapter of Ephesians today. Uh, there's a theme in most of Paul's first chapters. Uh, one of those themes is usually greetings, of course. Um, but there's also an overarching theme that's about elevating Christ straight away. And he's writing, he is writing a letter to believers. And he, he gets into a lot of things. We'll talk about a lot of this in Ephesians. But there's an incredible amount of time given in the elevation and the proclamation of the name of Christ. The work of Christ. The things that God has done, is doing, and will do. Even before he gets into any sort of administrative things or, hey, I heard this and here's a good idea about that. None of this is happening yet. He is still lifting the name of Christ on high, even as he greets the people that he loves. And today, as we wrap this up, you'll see all the way through the end of the chapter. So if you've got a Bible, great. If not, we'll be uh, reading it here together. Um, it'll be on the screen. So we'll be at the, starting in Ephesians 15 and all the way to the end, in Ephesians 1. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray together. The heavenly Father, as we open your word and we read it, and we study it, and we think about it, and we meditate on it, Lord. Uh, I pray, as I often do, that we don't lean on our own understanding, Lord. I pray that your words are, are heard and remembered much more than mine. These, these words here in the Holy Scripture are the words that have power. And insofar as we can proclaim them and exposit them and discuss them and understand them better, therein lies our value, <laughs> So, Lord, as we, we seek to study you and learn about you today and your goodness, Lord, I pray that this time together will be well spent in that regard. So, your sense I pray. Amen. So, I call this sermon, Thanks Be to God, and uh, I, I say it's a prayer passage. Now, Mike talked about this a little bit, like, sounds like he's preaching a little bit. That's fair. 
It may not seem that it's a prayer passage, but I think I'll convince you as we go through. Paul is a master at multiple truth communication. If you've not read any or other of Paul's works and not read them in depth, it's fair to say that it can be very confusing. When we speak today and we talk about things today with one another, we tend not to try to be too confused, not bring too many things up at once, one thing at a time. Paul, I guess we could argue, is doing that, but in, in the way that Paul communicates it a lot of times, it's like, what, what exactly is he talking about? He's three or four things deep on here. Because of that, there are a lot of facets to take in, and rereading is called for. I can't stress that enough. Some passages you will read in the Bible, and it's very, very clear and concise what's being communicated. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like, okay. There's not a lot of therefores and which as's and whereas's. None of that. It's just being, here's what's going on. Jesus wept. That's what was happening. Now, the whys we can get from context. But when Paul writes, sometimes it's great to read it two or three times. Break down the sentence structure. And that's kind of what we're going to be doing today. So if we start at the top of this passage, for this reason. And I love Paul. Good old Paul and his endless references. So anytime you start preaching through a sermon or a passage, preach a sermon about a passage, it's going to usually start in Paul's writings with a, therefore, or as you have done these things, in this case, he says, for this reason. Now, the good news about the way we're studying this now, the way we, we do it here in this church, is that we just covered this. So we don't need to worry about constructing a context as we were just there. For reference, this is the passage that we looked at, the tail end of the passage from last week. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, if we distill that reason down a little bit, and this could be multiple reasons, we don't necessarily know, maybe he's talking about all reasons at once, but this was the last reason reference. In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. For this reason, for this reason, and because he has heard of their faith and their love for believers. Paul doesn't stop giving thanks and praying for them. And this isn't, a, and I know it can get a little lost when we read through this, but the, the actual words of the Bible, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That for this reason is referencing the fact that the Holy Spirit is in them, among them. Note what Paul is thankful for. He is thankful for them because of what the Holy Spirit can do with them. He's not just arbitrarily thankful for them because they bring him joy, or they put a smile on Paul's face, or they fixed his car, or fed his mules. He is thankful for them in this context. Why he's remembering in his prayers is because what the Holy Spirit is doing in them is allowing him to have heard of their faith and their love toward all the saints. So the lesson here fundamentally is if you're thankful for somebody, pray for them. Now this is a little counterintuitive. I say this anytime you hear me preach, like what's he, counterintuitive to who? It's to me. <laughs> it's always to me. I'm not going to assume what everybody else understands. Perhaps you're all transcendent theologians. If so, this is going to be very tedious for you. But for me, when I think about praying for somebody, it's usually because of something they need prayer for. Has anyone ever come to you and say, hey, pray for me because the Holy Spirit is working in me right now and great things are bound to happen. 
I've never been asked to pray for somebody in that regard. I wish I were more often, but it doesn't happen very often. Normally, it's pray for me because uh, I have a broken foot. Pray for me because I have a daughter getting ready to go to college. Pray for me because my wife's not feeling well. Pray for me because my string broke on my guitar. Right? There's these things that I can't deal with on my own that I don't have all the answers to, and I need prayer for something else. What we see here, Paul knows the answer. The answer is the Holy Spirit's there. And he's praying for them because he's thankful for them. He is lifting them up in praise, in a prayer to God, because he's so thankful for what they are doing, because he's thankful for what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. So much different than my prayer life in many regards. He prays the Father will illumine them and grant them wisdom. Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That's what he's praying for. I pray you'll know God better. He prays for their hearts, that they are enlightened with the good news, that you will learn more about the, the wondrousness of your salvation and the work that Christ has done. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Paul, could you pray for me? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a tricky question. When somebody asks me to pray for him, it's not necessarily going to be this way. And I like this question. Paul, could you pray for me? Sure. I'll pray for you to better understand the richness of eternity for those whom God has chosen. <laughs> yeah, but I really need... I'll pray for an understanding of the immeasurable power of God towards his chosen. No health, no wealth, no job mercies. Not here. He is not praying that they feel better or keep on keeping on or there's a, maybe a financial windfall. They can all find work and be able to take care of their families. Here he's praying for what matters most. And in this passage, what matters most to Paul is that the Holy Spirit is alive and working through his chosen people. If there was a mantra for Paul, I'd like to think for me, but certainly for Paul, it's ABP, always be preaching. Even when Paul's talking about praying, he's preaching. As Paul prays, for according to God's work and his great might. All this Paul prays for according to God. This isn't with good luck or, you know, if, if we really work hard, uh, we, we use the term bootstrapping a lot. If we grab ourselves and just get it done, let's just buckle down, work harder. That's not what he's praying for. He is praying for everything to be happening according to God's work in God's might. God can do it if God chooses to do it, if God will do it, it will be done. And we will get to help. This might that he's talking about raised Christ from the grave. Once again, this isn't me jumping ahead. This is right here in Paul's prayer of thankfulness. That is immeasurable greatness according to the power towards who, us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This might seated Christ at the Father's right hand. Once again, right from the passage. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This might that Paul's counting on, depending on, thankful for, praying for, is the might that elevated Christ above all others. Far above all, back to the scripture, Ephesians 1.21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Wait, all others? And this is one of those questions. Paul, yes, I'm glad you asked. Yes. Above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, above every name that is named for all eternity. Not just his name is above this, but Christ himself is above it. All things are under his feet. 
Now, this is a grandiose vision that Paul is communicating. But the reason that he is doing this is what we're going to be getting into as we move through Ephesians. If you do not understand that Christ is the ruler over all at the behest of the Father, then you may start to think that you have some sort of critical role to play or a dependence on you that is going to be required for the fullness of God. What about the church? We're here. Are you saying we have no role to play? That's not what I'm saying. Dependence is much different than participation. God chooses for us to participate, but God is not dependent on our participation. If I If I fall down dead right now, the good news of Christ is unchanged. The work of God will carry forward because God is God. Now, when it comes to the church, because we know this to be true, Christ is the head of all things. So there is nothing, let me say this again, there is nothing that we do as a church that Christ is not in charge of. If you are doing something in your church, and you're like, well, this is sort of a para-Christ mission. <laughs> stop that immediately or put Christ at the head of it. Well, I can't really put Christ at the head of it because we're helping people cheat on their taxes. Then stop doing that, right? Do, if, if, if you as a church, as you as a believer are participating in something that is not, does not have Christ at the head of it, then it's not of Christ. And when it comes to the church, this is very, very particular business. We know this because many of the letters that we study in Scripture are Paul writing to churches, helping them, reminding them, nurturing them, praying for them, thanking God for them, because it's so critical that the churches know what to do, as well as what not to do. Simply put, Christ is the head of all things. The church is the body of Christ, but only in as much as we are the fullness of Christ. This is Paul's words, not mine. Ephesians 1.22, and he put all things under his feet, this is the feet of Jesus, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church must be filled with him who fills all in all. When we say we're the body of Christ, there's a big footnote there that says, in so much as we are doing the work of Christ and depending on Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit at working on, at the behest of Christ. This isn't us going out there and saying, I represent Jesus. Here's what I'd like to do today. Now, sadly, you're going to find plenty of churches that are going to do that. I'm not trying to throw shade, but it's very simple and much easier to tell people what they want to hear. Paul could open this up by saying, hey, I heard so-and-so's got a, you know, a, 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 a real financial issue. I'm going to pray for that. And, uh, and you know, this person over here wants a better job. We'll pray for that. And these guys are going through some marital difficulties. Let's pray for them. He doesn't do any of that. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that the priority has got to be making sure that Christ is where he needs to be. The rest of these things will fall in place. We're going to talk more about that as we go here. Yes, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. That was, that was the passage, if you will. Yes, rereading is called for. I'll stress it again. Read Paul's writing and then read it again and read it again and take some notes. Write down some questions. Bring it to church. We can talk about this stuff. We may not have the answers either. Some of these things are very mysterious. There's no question about it. But it is worth reading it again. The ideas that Paul communicates, the density of his thought, thus the density of the Holy Spirit breathing through him, can be extreme. But if we break it down, Paul is thankful for the church. Church, I stand before you and will say, as Paul did, I too am thankful for the church. 
He's only thankful for the church because of what God has done. I feel the same way. I've been with Calvary Heights long enough to see some big changes. But uh, we were talking about this a little bit in small group, which I'll encourage you to come and check out. It's a wonderful time. But when we let go of the way we want to measure things and care about the way we see things going and just say, God, what would you have us do? And we will do our best to do just that. It's incredible how light everything starts to feel. It really is. Things start to, that were really, really important suddenly start to fade away as unimportant. And you begin to realize that a lot of the things that we were thankful for, a lot of the things we were striving for, weren't necessarily the things that God has called, God has called us to do. They were things that we thought we ought to do, things that we've seen others do. The people's faithfulness brings Paul joy, but thanks be to God for that. That's the title of the sermon. I look out and I see a group of believers listening, maybe people discovering, growing closer to Christ, understanding Christ, learning, hearing online. Maybe, oh, I've never heard it put this way. Maybe this guy's crazy. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to prove him wrong. Please do so. Dig into the word. Even if you're going to dig into the word to, 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 to get some vengeance on me, dig into the word. But when faithfulness occurs, when the work of the Holy Spirit occurs, the thanks isn't to us that scramble around. It's thanks to God. So, for your consideration, here's some points for today. Number one, participate in the body of Christ. The number one bullet, the reason that we're here, the reason we're reading this letter is because it's critical that you participate in the body of Christ. Number two, praise God for those who believe and love. This takes us right back to the top of this sermon. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Praise God for those who believe in love. Number three, pray for the things that matter. And lastly, proclaim the gospel in your prayers. That last one might seem a little difficult maybe or hard to understand, but I think when we get to that, and we think about this, you'll understand why that's so important. So number one, participate in the body of Christ. Paul shows us time and time again how critical this is. Paul's participation in the body, in the church, his willingness to serve Christ, but the time that he spends helping the body of Christ grow closer to Christ, understand better what Christ would have them do, is it almost chokes me up. He could have sailed off into the sunset as probably a tremendous missionary and theologian, sat in an ivory tower and espoused on how amazing God is and how multifaceted. He did do that idea, but he did it in prison cells, in traveling, getting beaten, in service of God alongside other believers. Paul knew that Christ had done everything that he needed to do, but Paul was done living for Paul. And he knows and communicates and says very clearly the way that people will learn about Jesus is as his church grows. The body of Christ is required. Church is important. It is a necessity for a believer. And not just to be a part of one or say, hey, I, I head there every six months, but to participate in it. 
cultivate it, grow, visit, pray, be thankful for. Paul is engaged and active with believers. Listen to the tone of these letters. He's writing to them like they're his children. A lot of times he references it in that way. He cares for them so deeply. He wants them to know Christ better because Christ cares for them deeply. This isn't just arbitrary. Paul's not just walking around saying, hey, you know, this seems like a pretty good church. I'm going to love them as if they're my brothers. He hears them say, we believe that the same that you believe that Jesus died for our sins. And he says, then you are my brothers. That goes right into Paul's heart, and he writes letters like this. You can almost see tears on the page that he's writing this greeting, how he's so happy for them. He's so thankful for what God's doing with them. He's so overjoyed that there is a church in Ephesus to write a letter to, for better or worse. The body of Christ exists there. It's got its blemishes and a couple broken elbows and a cast, but we can work through that. That can be healed. He's praying for them. He's giving thanks for them. He's encouraging them. The church is the body of Christ, and you should be a part. We need feet. We need hands. We need eyes and noses. We need necks. We need backs, strong backs. We need weak backs. We need backs that don't have the inability to hold anything, but they can sit over on the side and support the upper torso and a few other. All of that is needed in the body, every single part. Participate in the body of Christ. Second, praise God for those who believe in love. Now, I want to be clear. There's nothing wrong with thanking people. All right, this isn't some sort of a, I don't want you to ever see this as some sort of a slap on the hand like, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when someone comes up to you and says, hey, that was really nice. That was a great sermon today. And I'm like, hey, boom, point, point to heaven. Like, it's all God, not me. This is true. God's work in me is the only reason I'm able to stand in front of you. But yet I am here. When somebody thanks me for the good work that Christ has done in me, that glory goes to Christ. That's fine. As we learn more and more about this, what we see here is what Paul begins to thank them for is He's thanking them for being willing participants as the Holy Spirit does all the good things, but he's still writing a letter to them. Don't miss that. Paul didn't write this down. Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for all the things you're doing to these people of Ephesus and then light it aflame and send it to heaven or something. That's not what happens. He writes them a letter to let them know how thankful he is for the Holy Spirit working in them. It's okay to thank people. When it comes to faith and love, the thanks is really to God. And we're moving towards the fourth bullet. It's squeaking in here a little bit. I'm preaching through my prayers. Yes. If I go up to somebody that I know is a believer and I thank them, I, I tell them I'm thankful for you because of what the Holy Spirit is doing through you, I'm really acknowledging the truth of the word. I, Chris, does nothing good on his own. Everything I do is detritus. I could try my very best, but it'll be for my glory. Inevitably, it's going to lead there. The Holy Spirit, though, changes that. Without God, there is no faith and there is no love. We can say we have faith in things. We really don't know what that means. We could say that we love things, but the reason that the command is here to love others as ourselves is because we're pretty good at loving ourselves. We struggle to love others in that way. And of course, the best part of this is those who truly believe want no glory. When the more you understand about where I sit and where God sits and how this chasm is it's, uh, it's unobtainable, indescribable. There's a million adjectives, but he, God is so far away from what I would possibly conceive as goodness or faithfulness in my eyes 
that I can never get there on my own. And when I grasp that, that God has reached down, breathed life into me, and pulled me from death, everything that I do goes to the one who breathed life into me. (laughs) I was dead. Now I'm alive. You did something great when you were alive. Yeah, but I wouldn't be alive if not for God. There's where the glory is due. Third, pray for the things that matter. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for a surgery. Once again, we prayed for you know, there are different people with different infirmities. We do this all the time. We must do this. We're called to do it. It's not about not praying for things. But when it comes to any prayers, a proper perspective is warranted. So when we pray for surgery, health, wealth, anxiety issues, when we pray for these sort of things, we want to keep a right perspective of what we're actually praying for. The more we learn about God, the less we care what happens in this place. If you've known me for a while, <clears throat> I very rarely ask for prayer in my life. Um, every once in a while, there'll be something that comes up that's like on my mind, and I want prayer for that. If you ask me to pray for you, you've probably heard it a time or two that I'll almost always uh, trickle down to praying for peace. And the, the reason for that is I don't know what the plans are going to be in, as the world turns in people's lives. I just don't know. And I don't ever want anybody to think that, go, oh, he didn't answer a prayer. Uh, God said no, or God wants me to be sick. I don't know how that works, and I'm not about to be bold enough to say that's the case. But what I can tell you is that when we pray for things like peace, when we pray for thanksgiving because of what the Holy Spirit has done to get us to this part, the good, the bad, and the otherwise, here we are today having this opportunity to talk together to God, that in and of itself is valuable. We just studied Job in a small group, and this passage, obviously, it's Job 13, 15, but though he slay me, I will hope in him. I mean, that's a tough one to read. It's a tough one to pray. But I, I, I stand before you as somebody who feels this way more times than not. The reason I don't ask a lot of times for relief from things in my life is because I'm curious to see what God's going to do with this thing in my life. I don't know that I want it gone. What if this is something that God's going to use to bring me closer to him? What if this is something God's going to use to instill patience in me, stamina in me, in a divine way? I trust God more than I did before this moment because I didn't care as much. And where Job was at, granted, this was absolutely put through the ringer was though he slay me, I will hope in him. That's where it's got to be. If you want to pray for me, pray that my hope endures despite being slain by God. Pray for that. Don't pray that he doesn't slay me. God's going to slay me. He's going to slay me. But pray that my hope endures. Pray that I believe that God is who he says he is all the way through that slaying. It may seem pretty dark. I get it. When people come to me and say, hey, could you pray for my injured foot? I don't say, you know what I'll pray for? I pray that that foot breaks you so that you know better that God, that's not what I would ever pray for somebody. That's not the point. The point is not to see people just ground down and and completely belittle. The point is that you encourage folks to say, yes, I want the, the pain in your foot to stop, but regardless of that, I want you to know more about who God is and his character. And you will start to cross over a bridge like, you know, I guess if the, I, I don't like it and it's kind of a nuisance, but I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it'll get healed when it gets healed or it won't, when it won't. And uh, when it gets healed, we'll give thanks. And when it doesn't, we'll pray for it again. Okay. 
Does it change God? Does it change my belief in God? Does it change Christ's work on the cross? No. Okay, well then let's, let's make sure that we're praying for the things that matter. And lastly, proclaim the gospel in your prayers. Now the, the secret cheat code is this is a great way to keep your prayers focused. If you've been here before, you hear us say things from the Bible, like pray without ceasing, right? Like, man, why am I going to walk around all the time just like talking to God and this, that, and the other? The more you study the Word and you see this, that this notion isn't about droning on and on and on and on with endless words to God, uh, talking to, to God out loud as you wander the streets or walking through Walmart muttering to God. It's about an attitude that everything that I do, every, every step that I take, every action that I take, I want to be focused on something meaningful. Prayer and worship, those are kind of a gray area, especially if you've sat through some of our worship. If you were to take one of our songs, let's just grab one here. I don't like doing this too awful much, right? And you were to say this as a prayer, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, Lord. Pour out your power and love. I mean, this is a prayer. Do we just pray as a group with some music? Surprise, we did. Well, then what's the difference between prayer and worship? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think we have multiple words for this, and we try to make prayer something that's vastly different. But in reality, what prayer is, is just talking to God. What's worship? Talking to God, extolling God. When I pray to somebody else, and I don't really know what to pray for, you ever had somebody ask you to pray for something like, uh, uh, all, all of my animals just got run over by a steamroller, and my house is foreclosed on, and my eyes, aren't, I went blind. Could you pray for me? Yeah, uh, Lord, just take them home. Enough's enough, right? No, we would never say that. We would say, Lord, there's a lot going on here. We don't really know. But if I don't know what to say, and I don't have the right words, and I can say, God, you know what we do know? That you went to a cross with no sin in your life, and you bore a punishment that I could not bear. And you took care of everything needed for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. All the sins, all the infirmities, Lord. And we know there's going to be a day where there's no more sin and there's no more death and there's no more suffering. And that's what we're going to count on today, Lord. That's what I want to lift up today, Lord. I pray for something in our mind to transcend understanding that brings us peace at a time when there seems like there's no peace. Now, what I did there was preach the gospel in a very small way without actually asking for anything specific in prayer. That's not necessarily what Paul's doing because Paul's very, very learned and I am not. However, what, Paul, what we did is the same thing, which is like, hey, I, I just want you to know as I lift you up in prayer, that what I'm really lifting up in prayer is God's goodness. That's the only difference that's going to get made. If somebody comes and says, hey, I need this bill taken care of, and you take care of the bill, that's not going to save them. My leg is broken. I'll pray for your leg. My leg is healed. It's a miracle. Awesome. Does that get me into heaven? No, it does not. What gets you into heaven is the truth the, the kernel of the gospel. If you are praying the gospel, you will pray for gospel things. It's incredible. When you start talking about the things of God, th that these things suddenly start to literally transcend what's going on around us. It's bigger than what I'm dealing with today. It helps me to put into perspective that the thing that is, is absolutely crushing me today, I didn't even know about three weeks ago, and I probably forget about in two months. But today, it's the only thing on my mind. Church, I'd encourage you to put something else on your mind. And through prayer, we can do that with one another. Good reminders. That's what Paul's doing here. I'm sure when they open this letter, I joke about this a lot, that there are some people in the church that are waiting for Paul to really put the smack down on some other people in the church. These guys are getting away with murder. Oh, good, a letter from Paul? Wonderful. 
He's going to let him have it. Let me start off by reading it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God of the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from... Blessed be the God of... He's not yelling at anybody. What about them? Now, granted, Paul's going to do some hollering as we carry on, but for now, he wants them to be away from all this. This isn't a letter of vengeance. This is a letter of love. This is a love letter written by Paul, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, to God. He sent it to the people in Ephesus. But if you doubt it, I mean, it's right here. I do not cease to give thanks to you, thanks for you, remembering my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. What about us? What did we do? Like, I don't know, whatever the Holy Spirit had you do. That's what I'm thankful for. Praying God's grace to God is a great prayer. If you ever in a place where it's like, I want to pray, but I don't know what's going on. Pray about the wonderful things that God has done for you to God. This is also a great thing to talk about when other, with other people, right? When someone said, hey, I'm at the end of my rope on this one thing. If you're reminded about the eight or nine other ropes that they were at the end of once upon a time, it helps remember that like, well, I guess I've, I've been, I made it through this before. God, God has drugged me through it before. He'll drag me through it again. Amen. Or he won't. But either way, the good news is that God ain't going to change. And lastly, if others ask for prayer and you pray like Paul, you do get to preach a little. And I know a lot of people aren't like, yeah, that's what I want to be doing is preaching more. I get it. But when somebody asks you to pray and you're like, man, I don't know how to pray for that. I'm, I'm confused as to pray for that. <laughs> Just pray the gospel. Lord, we know we trust in this and go right down the line. And whoever you're praying for might say, well, how's that going to help me with, with this issue? Say, well, I don't know. How would anything I'm going to do help you with that issue? What we're going to do is trust that God's going to either fix it or not. But either way, God is good. And, well, I guess so. Like, that's the good news. Anyway, if you need more prayer, let me know. <laughs> he could do it again. So, w- wait, is this a prayer or a thankfulness sermon? Uh-oh. Yes. Why not both? I can tell you this much. We can't pray if we aren't thankful. <clears throat> if I am not thankful for what Christ has done in my lives and the lives of others... If I'm not thankful for the majesty and the sovereignty and the all-encompassing timelessness of God, I really don't know what, what I could possibly pray for other than to do some rote prayers. And we cannot be thankful without being drawn to prayer. It's an interesting thing. If I'm not thankful, I can't pray. And if I don't pray, then I'm not thankful. I, 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 the thankfulness in my heart makes me want to pray. It makes me want to thank God for all the things, the little things and the big things, the good things and the quote-unquote bad things. We're drawn to prayer. Prayer and thankfulness go hand in hand. Has anyone ever used the Acts method or heard of this? Have you ever heard of this? i got a hand up here, right? I've been hearing about this since I was young. A-C-T-S. It's a book in the Bible, so it's easy to remember. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's a good order. I learned this is wait till the end to pray for your actual prayer. What do you need? I need to pass a test. I, want, I need my car to stop running rough. Well, you can't just ask God for that. What we're going to have to start with is adoration. And then you'll do some confession and then some thanksgiving. And then you can ask for God to fix your motor. Okay. Now, it's a fine method and I don't have an issue with the method. Uh, th- th- this is great. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving is Awesome right? But we mustn't enter into the act as rote. 
This is the tricky part of prayer methodology in general, right? It, this is great, and it's good to remember these kinds of ideas. But at the end of the day, if you're just going through the ACT to get to the S that's really on your heart, then you're kind of spinning your wheels. You're putting on a show. Some might say that's strange fire. That's a bad idea generally in the Word of God. Don't offer what seems to be uh, good worship based on some doctrine or dogma that we understand. Consider this. Instead of acts, thankfulness. <laughs> thankfulness for salvation through Christ's work. Am I thankful because I'm saved for all eternity and there's nothing I can do to thwart it? And that every possible sin that I could, uh, that I have, will, and could commit has been paid for by the work of Christ and through repentance, I'm able to, yes, I am thankful for that. I am thankful for repentance through the Holy Spirit. That's not even work I can do on my own. I, I need the Holy Spirit to even repent to the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for provision past that gives another chance for hearing good news, another change. See, it's like I write my own slides and can't read. Another chance for hearing the good news. The stuff that brought me here, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gas in the car that brought me here today. Yes, I am thankful for that. And I'm also thankful for the provision to come to fulfill God's will in our world. That kind of thankfulness is a much different vibe. And this in and of itself becomes a prayer. Just being thankful for all the things. As I'm thankful for the things that God has done to save me for eternity, the work of Christ on the cross, the sacrifice on his behalf, his willingness to, to not flee, but to go to the cross. That's the good news. That's adoration. If I'm thankfulness for repentance through the Holy Spirit, then my prayers aren't changing for, Lord, here's the things that I've done wrong. Did I say enough things? Can I move to supplication? But instead, I don't want to do these things anymore. When you read these passages and Paul says, I do the things I hate and I hate the things that I do, this blows my mind. This is Paul we're talking about. What's going on, Paul? Don't you have it fixed by now? It's because Paul knows full well that it's not my, I can't do it. I can't fix it. It's not from trying. If anybody has tried, uh, Paul would have been one. Paul, like many people that were huge in the church, were ex exemplar, just exemplar men of faith. They did the work. They knew the passages. But it wasn't enough. And if I'm thankful for what God's given me up to now, and I'm thankful for what comes in the future, then it really changes the way that I'm praying for things. <laughs> Lord, I really need a new car to get me from A to B. But if I'm thankful for the car that you gave me, and I'm thankful for whatever comes next, then suddenly I'm not really asking for a new car. I'm just thanking you for being God, because I know you're going to take care of me, and you're going to get me where I need to go. And if you need me to not get to job or whatever, then I'm going to deal with that too, God, because I'm just not going to have to worry about that, because you are sovereign, and everything you do for me is good, because I'm one of yours. And suddenly our prayers have pivoted away from adoration, confession, supplication, and have changed into, God, I am just awestruck by you. This is the kind of prayer, when you're walking around, you want to pray without ceasing, it's for things like this. Car honk, whoop, doesn't hit you. Whoa, God, thank you. Car honks, skids, hits you. God, thank you, I didn't die. I'm thankful no matter what happens, every walk of life. So what about us? Take time, number one, take time to pray for your church. I mean, what Paul starts off here is he's praying for the church. He's thankful for them, but he's thankful for what the Holy Spirit's doing in them. And when it comes to this, don't just pray for smooth sailing, pray for a holy voyage. Holy means set apart. 
Holy doesn't mean without sin. That's not holy. Holy means set apart. Smooth sailing sounds pretty good. If we get to pick, we'll probably pick the the road that is well-traveled because it's going to be a much easier drive. (laughs) But the Bible cautions us against that. It says we want to take the road less traveled. We want to go down a narrow path that might be a little bit bumpy, but it's set apart. One of the first experiences I had here at Calvary Heights uh, was going to a secret church. We'll do that again this coming year, and uh, it'll, I encourage everybody to come check it out. It's really neat. Extreme deep dive over hours into, into an area of our faith. And um, usually they pick a people group and we pray for them. It's an international uh, missions exercise in some regards. Anyway, we were praying for people in Vietnam, and they had some Vietnamese people on their you know, recorded video, and they said, uh, we're under extreme persecution. People are getting killed, raped, disappeared. It's happening all the time. And so we, we want you to pray for us. And I'm thinking to myself, well, absolutely. I need to pray that stuff stops. That's un- Don't pray that that stops. Pray that it continues until the work of Christ is fulfilled here. And I get choked up thinking about it. Like, here I sit in a building in Martinsville, Indiana, eating pizza, praying that God turns the screws on them if it furthers his kingdom. That's a holy voyage. They are sailing in uncharted waters, set apart from the world, doing things way differently than even we do them here. I wanted to pray for smooth sailing. I want the persecution to stop. I want them to let them do whatever they need to do, which is probably okay. They'd probably be fine going along that kind of a voyage, but they didn't ask for that prayer. They asked that Christ would move through their suffering. Third, if you don't have a church, join us. It's easy and fun. We have a great time. Right, everybody? That's right. It may sound like I pressured him to say that, but I didn't. It is fun. We, we, we like hanging out together. We like learning together and laughing together, worshiping and praying together. We, we love being down in the square. We're so thankful for this venue and this opportunity. Uh, as Mike mentioned, the outreach. We're going to be able to do some more of this uh, here, here in the center of town. And, and hopefully... Make Christ's name known better to all people that may pass by. And lastly, but in some regards, first, I guess, if you don't have a Savior, I've got really good news. If as you're hearing this, you're thinking, this all sounds great, but I don't know who Christ is. I don't know what he's done exactly. I mean, I, don't, I can't see any evidence of him working in my life. Well, we can fix that today. What Christ did is he came and he lived a perfect life, no sin. And he went to the cross and he bore the wrath of God, the wrath due us for our sin. He was not due that wrath, but he bore it. And through that act, he died. He's put in a tomb three days later, was resurrected. And then, as we studied today, now sits at the right hand of the Father, intercedes for his church, leads us, guides us, gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to set us apart for God, for eternity. And everything needed for that is done. It has been completely handled by Jesus. The only thing we have to do is believe. So if you're hearing these words today and you're wanting to give thanks to God, but you don't even know who God is, and let's fix it. Reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks be to you. The good news of salvation, the good news of the the resurrection, the good news, all the good news that makes up the larger good news, Lord, all is because of your work. Lord, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's beyond our wildest imagination to be able to participate in 
a, a, a sliver of your glorious work on this place and then to be able to dwell in your presence for eternity, Lord. And if we are struggling to get from A to B and we're not sure how to even approach you and we're not confident in our prayer lives or our asks or whatever, Lord, I pray that you will start to change us to help us understand better that it isn't about all the good works and all the right things that we could do, but it is about the work that you have done and our trust that you will take care of us as you always have. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. Lord, I'm thankful for this church. I remember this church in my prayers as well, and I'm thankful for the people that are here, yes, but largely because of the work you're doing through them, Lord. And I pray that you'll do more work through us and more people, not just to have more people joining the church or more people hanging out here on a Sunday, Lord, but so that your name will be appropriately lifted ever higher. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.